Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic Saver episode for you from back when we were food stuff. Indeed. And it's about cranberries. Cranberries. Mm-hmm. Yes. I admitted recently that um, I have started culling down the menu at our Thanksgiving meal. Right. Which, as you listen to this, has just happened. And also, I love last year how many people commented and were like, how drunk are you at this point? Drink responsibly. (laughs) But that was funny. Um, (laughs) I am doing away with cranberry sauce, which is one of my favorite things, but no one else really likes it. Oh, wow. So I've been equal opportunity. Yeah, right. Um, Well, that's very polite of you. Yeah, and I guess it's one less thing to cook. It is like a relatively simple thing. It's true. But it's, it's as you know, Lauren, I have an anxiety around leftovers. Oh, right. So it falls to me to eat all the cranberry sauce, which is wonderful in some ways, but very stressful in other ways. I'm a very complicated human being. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. I see you. And I understand. Um, uh, okay. Well, maybe maybe I'll like bring some to D&D so that you can <gasps> like have 
like yes. a little bit without having that anxiety. Yes, and our fellow, a fellow, our, our fellow D and D player in the campaign with us, um, Ramsey, producer here, been on the show. Um, he texted me last night, and he just made a cocktail that had cranberries in it, and he said it was really good because of the tartness Ooh. of the cranberries. And I was hint, hint, nudge, nudge, make that. <laughs> and let us try it. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would be wonderful. I hope, I certainly hope that he does. You should uh, bring it up and don't mention me. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, naturally, just have you made any new cocktails that are interesting and fun and holiday related lately? That you'd like to pr- reproduce yeah. for us? Yeah. He won't see through that. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got this episode for you. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to let past Lauren and Annie take it away. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Annie Reese. And today we're talking about cranberries. Yes, cranberries. Um, A seasonal festive topic here in the United States anyway. Yeah, and pretty much only in the U.S. and Canada. I was very surprised to learn that. We'll, we'll talk about that more later. But Well, they, they are native to North America. I think that probably helps. It does. It does. And we're crazy about them for one tiny part of the year and then forget it. And nobody cares. Yeah. What what is this tart berry? We don't want anything to do with it. Oh, and speaking of, what are cranberries, Lauren? Cranberries are berries. What? I I know it sounds sort of dumb when I say it that way, but after pineapple and sweetbreads, I felt like I should really specify. Yeah. They are the fruit of a couple of trailing viney shrubs by the scientific names Vaccinium oxycoccus and Vaccinium macrococcus. Carpen, um, although the latter, the large cranberry, that macro, um, is much more common. A vaccinium, by the way, is the same genus that blueberries are in. They're, they're pretty closely related. In case you've never seen a cranberry or never worked with raw ones, which, you know, I, I think so in some parts of America, the conception of a cranberry is just this tin can-shaped Jelly. Yeah, or dried things you might find in your salad. Sure. Um, cranberries are, are wee things, uh, an oval about half an inch long. It's about 10 millimeters with a bright red or pink skin and white flesh inside containing these tiny little seeds. Um, they are very tart and a little bit bitter. So although they can be eaten raw, they're usually cooked and sweetened. There are a few unrelated species of shrubs that bear similar-looking and sometimes similar-tasting fruit in the um, viburnum genus that are commonly called cranberry bushes. Misleading. But but they are not not cranberries. They are a totally different plant, not even a berry. Has to be handled differently. Not not what we're talking about here today. Why do they try to trip us up with these things? They, They look so similar. Let's call it the same thing. Yeah, you know. Okay. Sure. Thanks, history. Yeah. True cranberries, as we've already said, are native to North America, but have been cultivated in Europe and Chile. And uh, cranberry bush species are native to parts of Europe and Asia and Africa. True cranberries grow in bogs. Bogs! I get to talk about bogs. These are great, fascinating ecosystems. Okay. The first thing you need to make a bog is a glacier. Of course. About 10,000 years ago, towards the end of the last ice age, the glaciers that had descended upon the land began to, to separate and recede. Bits of them would get caught in depressions in the landscape, and, and as they melted, if those depressions happened to be lined with impermeable clay, 
they wound up forming um, small lakes and or large ponds that are called kettle holes. Over time, these kettle holes collect sediments and they, they attract particular plants that further specialize the environment. You've got, you've got peat deposits, you've got thick moss, and acidic water that is low in oxygen. Cranberries happen to love this. What doesn't love this is bacteria and fungi, and that is why some amazingly preserved specimens of ancient humans and other animals have been found in bogs. The, uh, the, the microcritters that usually break things down can't really live there. Hmm. So you get, good, you get good fossilized stuff. Or not necessarily fossilized, but preserved in many ways. Like bog butter. Bog butter! Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, bringing it back to butter. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Cranberries are another food that have gone by a handful of fun names throughout their history, like finwort, finwort. marshwort, and oh. marshberry. Marshwort. That's know. not a thing. That does not sound can like a delicious thing. Can you imagine buying marshwort in the grocery store? I mean, I can. That sounds like you're making a potion. Yeah. The Native Americans called them sasamanesh or imbimi, which translated to bitter or sour berry. And this can make tracking them in historical documents and recipes difficult, like a lot of things we talk about. The word cranberry itself, a translation of the German craneberry, uh, referenced its long beak-like stalks that kind of looked like cranes. Um, it, and it didn't appear until late 17th century America. And was probably, again, based on yeah. things that weren't cranberries at all. Yep. <laughs> totally correct. Um, today, the cranberry industry is valued around $300 million, with the U.S. and Canada accounting for 96% of Oof. production. Yeah. And it's the state fruit of Wisconsin and Massachusetts, and Wisconsin and Washington State have cranberry museums. Oh, another field trip opportunity. I know. If you're in one of those states and have visited, or you should go visit and write in and tell us what they're like. Yeah. uh, Meanwhile, as of 2013, Americans consume about 400 million pounds of cranberries a year, primarily as juice. Yes. And 20% of that consumption occurs during the Thanksgiving season. Only 5% of cranberries are sold as the whole fruit. The rest is all processed stuff. Hmm. Yeah. It's a terrible shame. I love fresh cranberries. I know. I have only had them recently, and I was like, how have I gone so long only knowing the jellied stuff? Anyway, how did we get to this point? Let's look at the history. Yeah. Over 400 years ago, the Native Americans were using cranberries a variety of ways. Um, Apart from eating them straight or as a sweet sauce, they'd dry them out and make them into cakes or mix them with dried venison and animal fat for pemmican, a portable and long-lasting food that often served as a primary calorie source on winter trading routes and could be traded itself as a commodity. Uh, think about it as sort of like a like a protein bar yeah. of the ancient days. I think it's often called like the original, the first protein bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerky and cranberries, I would definitely eat that protein bar. Oh, yeah, me too. And the importance of pemmican for winter traders led to the Battle of Seven Oaks in 1816. After, in 1814, the Red River Colony's governor tried to keep the Matisse from exporting pemmican through the Pemmican Proclamation. Pemmican Proclamation? Yeah. He was worried there wouldn't be enough food to feed the settlers without it, but also wanted to help out the Hudson Bay Company's fur trade at the expense of the Northwest Company's fur trade. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Matisse believed he was trying to kill their trade, which legitimately. Um, after, <laughs> after a series of skirmishes and rising tensions, the Matisse and the Northwest Company fur traders joined forces to attack Red River Colony in response, and 22 people died. Whew. 
Yeah, so pretty important, pretty important pemmican. Yeah. Uh, cranberries were also used uh, other than food in teas and as uh, the, the leaves as a tobacco substitute. Mm-hmm. They worked well as a dye and as a bait in traps laid for hares. The Native Americans utilized cranberries in poultices to speed up the healing of wounds and tumors, which may or may not have provided some benefit due to the a cranberry compound that keeps E. coli and staph from glomming onto tissue walls, yeah. tissue cell walls. Um, some tribes used it for bladder and kidney problems. You've probably heard this yourself, and we will be talking more about that later. Absolutely. Um, digestive problems and childbirth-related issues. European settlers quickly subbed cranberries into recipes using similar berries, mostly sauces, jams, and jellies that often appeared alongside meat. Uh, cranberries contain a lot of pectin, which is one of those gel- natural gelling agents that that helps make stuff without having to mess with, you know, like— Boiling an entire calf's leg. Right. The natural acidity helps Absolutely. accentuate the meat. Yes. By the 1600s, North American cranberries were being used as a cure for scurvy for the sailors transversing the Atlantic back to Europe. It was believed the sourness pulled the salt from the body. But we know today this worked due to the vitamin C in cranberries because scurvy is a vitamin C deficiency. Oh. Yeah. The pilgrims would most likely be familiar with the smaller wild European cranberry that grew in bogs and marshes in England. Not the same thing, but looks similar. Um, Northern Europe and even parts of Siberia, that's where it all grew. And in Siberia, they stored these cranberries in barrels of water during the winter, and they would eat them during the spring. Yeah, if you keep them refrigerated, cranberries last a, a good couple of months. Yeah, they just do. Just chilling out. <laughs> Literally. Oh, oh, man. Didn't even mean that Oh, one. boy. Bonus points for the waxy film on cranberries that could help keep them for weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And bees. I love it whenever history uh, whenever history talks about bees. I know, and I believe we've mentioned this before, but in 1622, mm-hmm. bees from Britain arrived and transformed the way the colonist could use fruit. Now with a more readily available form of sweetener. Honey. Yep. Cranberries start popping up in tarts and pies. Cranberries' popularity skyrockets, so much so that 19th century Boston satirist William Tudor wrote, Cranberry is eaten with almost every species of roasted meat, particularly the white meats, turkeys, etc. Some even eat it with boiled fish, and I knew one person, otherwise a very worthy man, who eats it with lobsters for supper. (laughs) Oh, outrageous. Outrageous. European cookbooks, like the experienced English housekeeper and London Art of Cookery in the 1700s, gave recommendations on cranberry storage. In the frequently mentioned 1796 cookbook, American Cookery, Amelia Simmons suggested for cranberry tarts and pies that they be stewed, strained, and sweetened, put into a paste, and baked gently. Hmm. Meanwhile, in 1816, we get our first instance of cranberry cultivation. Uh, A Massachusetts Revolutionary War veteran by the name of Henry Hall observed that cranberries in his bog grew faster when they were exposed to sand blown off of nearby dunes. And that gave him the idea to transplant some cranberry vines to an area that he had fenced off, drained, and sanded. Uh, the vines became much more fruitful, uh, producing a, a variety of types, some of which Hall called jumbo. Mm-hmm. New York City and Boston enjoyed shipments of Hall's cranberries by 1820, and others in the Cape Cod area started making cranberry yards of their own. Mm. It was around this time in Massachusetts that Early Black and Howes were selected as the two main cultivars, and New Jersey began cultivating cranberries in 1835 
Wisconsin in 1853, and Oregon and Washington towards the end of the century. Meanwhile, the the price of granulated sugar was decreasing, and this coincided with the increased availability of cranberries, meaning that more housewives purchased them, as they could now afford to sweeten them with sugar. Right. And sea captains familiar with cranberries due to the whole scurvy prevention thing got in on the cranberry bug action as well, some financing them to locals in a similar manner they had done with their ships, the financing. Some of these bogs were passed down for generations, and since cranberry vines live so long, some are thought to be the first vines planted. Boston would become the major marketing and shipping hub for cranberries. And uh, when shipped greater distances, um, up to 100 pounds of cranberries were packed in barrels of water. And this barrel became the standard measurement for cranberries. Still is today, I believe. Mm -hmm. So these barrels of cranberries would become available starting in the fall, uh, ready for winter celebrations. But how exactly did they become such a well-known part of North American winter celebrations? We'll find out right after we take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. (laughs) I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 
If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Mm -hmm. So the association of cranberries with Christmas probably began as early as the first American Christmas trees in the 1840s, which were traditionally decorated with sweetmeats, not sweetbreads, fruits, nuts, and the like. Uh, And it's only natural that the bright red berry that's available around this time would lend itself to such a decoration. Yeah. Also, since they're kind of sturdy, you can string them on a string. Yep. As opposed to other things that you would string them on, mm, sure, uh, string string them on a string and hang them up, and they'll they'll remain pretty okay for for a while. Yeah. In 1868, Queen Victoria's book referenced a pie with good tart of cranberries she had at a dinner in Scotland, mm. so they'd made it over there. And Reverend Benjamin Eastwood's book on cranberry cultivation helped grow the industry even further, as did the expansion of railroads. Ah. Yes. After the Civil War, something some historians have given the name cranberry fever took the country by storm. (laughs) Everything's a fever. In 1871, the first Cranberry Growers Association coalesced. The 1880s innovation of wooden cranberry scoops with improvements in sorting and screening upped production. And with dollar bill signs in their eyes, amateurs rushed into the cranberry business. Promises of cranberry money pouring in did not come to fruition in most cases, and a majority lost their money. Oh. Yeah. There was a real craze going on. It's like the gold rush, but with berries. Okay, Uh, Yeah, I saw it described that way. Huh. Cranberry bogs spread to Wisconsin and New England, which they both surpassed Massachusetts in production. Um, and by 1900, 21,500 acres were used to produce the berry. Massachusetts was not out of the game, though, not by a long shot. Uh, Cape Cod became a household name. And up until 1927, children of the state might be excused from school to go help out with the cranberry harvest every year. Yeah, that's a serious business. In 1907, we saw the the first formation of the first cranberry marketing cooperative, the New England Sales Company. Three years later, in 1910, Massachusetts got the University of Massachusetts Cranberry Research Station. Ah, 
yeah, very intrigued by that. The first mechanical cranberry picker arrived in 1920. And in 1930, as the cranberry industry was peaking with 27,640 acres, Ocean Spray Cranberries, Inc. stepped in with a marketing cooperative owned by growers. Ah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Great Depression, as you would probably guess, depressed cranberries' crazy growth. And disease also decreased growth further in the 1940s. In 1947, hand scooping was almost universally replaced by a mechanical walk-behind harvester. Um, these days, this is called dry harvesting and sometimes uses a helicopter to transport the berries from the bog without hurting the vines. Then in the early 1950s, as refrigerators, electric refrigerators, that is, became a thing, housewives began freezing cranberries to last throughout the year. Thanks to cranberries.org, by the way, for this handy-dandy timeline. Super handy-dandy. Mm-hmm. Cranberries primarily came as juice, jelly, or gelatin until after World War II when people started to use the fresh stuff, especially around the holidays and with that refrigeration. Um, but this was still the minority of cranberry usage. But then... But then, dun-dun-dun. Yes, disaster struck with the Cranberry Scare of 1959. The Cranberry Scare. First there's a craze and then there's a scare. (sighs) When Secretary of the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, Arthur Fleming, announced to the country that some cranberries had been exposed to aminotriazole, a suspected carcinogenic used as an herbicide. This was a severe blow. Severe. Like how severe? Like sales of cranberries plummeted by 70%. Some consider this the first major cancer scare in the U.S. Trace back to cranberries. I never would have guessed. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It was only a small number of cranberries harvested in Oregon, but cranberries had to be destroyed, and the massive resulting price decline meant that a lot of acres devoted to cranberry acreage had to be shut down. And it took almost a decade for the industry to bounce back. Farmers figured out um, water harvesting in the 1960s, and most bogs implemented the practice, which allowed for more growth and product diversification, which eventually led to the 1987 release of Ocean Spray's Craisins. Craisins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm still not sure that I approve of that, of that minor pun. No. I have to think about it further. <laughs> You're allowed. <laughs> yes. Form, form, form your own opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> water harvesting uh, entailed pumping about 18 inches, that's about 46 centimeters, of water into a, a dry cranberry bog. And the day after this, the cranberries are harvested using these water reels called egg beaters that pull the cranberries from the vines. And and thanks to this air pocket that is naturally in the berry around the, around the seeds, the berries float to the surface, ready to be scooped up with a big plastic or wooden brooms. They're then cleaned and processed, and we now get 85% of our cranberries this way to this day, uh, despite the kind of rough treatment it means for the berries. Which doesn't matter too much if you're processing most of them into juice. Absolutely. Right. It wasn't until the 2000s we start to see cranberries paired with salads. The 2000s. (laughs) Dried cranberries, by the way. I don't think I've ever seen a fresh cranberry on a salad. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Most likely because that's about when these nicer prepackaged salads, complete with toppings, Toppings. started to hit (laughs) grocery store shelves. Um, Perhaps, but probably not related, total production of export markets grew by 30%. Huh. Probably not related, but interesting. 
Um, And worth noting that by the mid-19th century, most Native American tribes had been wiped out of the New England region. But some do have ties to the cranberry in the present day. Um, The Coquille tribe owns and operates organic cranberry farm Coquille Cranberries out of Oregon, and the Wampanoag hold Cranberry Fest in Martha's Vineyard each year. (sighs) So. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and another episode where we get a nice depressing I, yeah, a button Turn. right on the end. Right right on the end. Um, <laughs> although, hey, I've actually got some more kind of depressing things to, to, to talk about. Um, there's going to be a Lauren's Killjoy Corner. But first, there's going to be one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. (laughs) I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. 
Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, okay. There seem to be a lot of misconceptions about the healthfulness of cranberries. First off, dried sweetened cranberries are basically candy. Yeah. They're no longer a fruit. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about, about dried cranberries is that all of them on the market are sweetened. If you find any unsweetened ones, please tell me. Yes, please. Send me to that website. I want to buy them. Um, but okay, uh, the, the nutritional information uh, about dried sweetened cranberries, a single ounce serving, that's about 28 grams or like a, like a handful, um, contains 18 grams of sugar, which is half as much as a can of Coke, basically. Uh, that's, not, that's, that's not healthy. Um, no. Furthermore, the manufacturing process that makes them dried and sweetened leaches basically all of their nutritional benefits or, or beneficial nutrients, rather, from them. Um, vitamin C is gone. All of the, like, possible antioxidants are gone. They still contain 1% of your daily recommended value of iron. 1%. And 4% of manganese. Mm, okay. That's about it. Yeah, that's not too much to uh, brag about. Yeah, so if you really like eating them, do it. But just be aware that you're not doing yourself any particular nutritional favors. No, don't don't think you're doing a healthy thing by eating them. No. Secondly, uh, oh, and, and okay, th- this gets back to cranberries' use in treating urinary tract infections. Okay. So, so this was this was an an ancient or not ancient. This this was an older folk remedy. And about a hundred years ago, um, as we started developing science, but still didn't quite have antibiotics, some doctors thought that they might be able to treat UTIs by making patients' urine too acidic for bacteria to grow in. Cranberry juice became a popular therapy. But it was later found that the amount of cranberry juice you'd have to drink to really see an effect is prohibitive, being that mostly it would just give you ulcers and kidney stones in the long run. But then, uh-huh. a while later, another thing that we talked about, um, that, uh, that protein present in cranberries and also blueberries, by the way, um, that prevents bacteria from, from binding to and thus from infecting other cells was discovered. Um, and... Cranberry juices and supplements, like like dried, pounded cranberries and little gel caplets, um, started to be promoted as therapies again. But no research has yet shown that this actually prevents infection in humans. So, scientifically speaking, no one knows whether cranberries actually help with UTIs. And 
Hey, uh, the cranberry juice cocktail that you buy in the store contains a lot of sugar and acid, um, both of which can exacerbate an already angry urinary tract. Oh, man. Do not do not drink cranberry juice cocktail for a UTI. Maybe consider a cranberry supplement, like, if you want to, but be aware that they have not consistently p- performed better than placebo. So, like, don't put yourself out of money if, if you're strapped for cash. It's probably not the cure you're looking for. Um, to keep your urinary tract healthy, drink water. <gasps> the kind without bubbles sometimes. Uh, like, wear cotton underpants. Talk to your doctor if you have a persistent problem. And sorry that got kind of weirdly personal for a second there. It's cool. Okay. Um, all that being said, uh, you know, as our seafaring ancestors sussed out, cranberries are a great source of vitamin C. They're also really high in antioxidants, which may help prevent some diseases like cancer in some situations. Um, they're high fiber and low calorie until you add a bunch of sugar. Yep. So they're pretty filling, um, which means that if you like tart things, um, fresh cranberries or a fresh made sauce that is low in sugar is really great to add to to oatmeal or yogurt or baked goods or sauces or roasted savory dishes or whatever. Just watch out for that sugar. You know, buy, buy fresh cranberries when they're available, maybe. Freeze some, make your own low sugar sauce to add to stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan of doing that. I like to I put them in um, an acorn squash with quinoa and cranberries. Oh, oh gosh, wow. And goat cheese. Oh, oh, oh okay. no. Yeah, it's good. Okay, I want to make that right now. I know. Maybe later. All right, but first we got to talk about pesticides. Oh, um, oh yeah, 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 more. Oh man, well, welcome, welcome to my Killjoy Corner. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh huh. It's a show within a show. It's gotten really meta. Um, okay, <laughs> according to the USDA pesticide data program, as of 2006, cranberries tested positive for 13 different pesticides. Some of these are classified as known carcinogens and honeybee toxins. Oh, yeah. That's bad. Nope. Ocean Spray did attempt growing them without this stuff, but found it too difficult and costly. Since cranberries are native to North America, pests have had forever to figure out the cranberry, thereby making pesticides necessary, their argument goes. Another environmental concern is the exposure to these pesticides of the water pumped into the cranberry bog during wet harvest, um, where it after that, it returns to local bodies of water. Um, and this type of runoff is not regulated by the U.S. government. There are a handful of companies out there growing an organic cranberry crop. The article I was reading gave Cranberry Hill Farms and Fresh Meadow Farms as examples. And the only way they're able to do this currently is through programs that buy their fruit at a super high price point to help incentivize them. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I sort of hesitate hesitate in talking about pesticides because, honestly, I don't really know too much about them. Um, and hopefully, we'll rectify this in a later episode. Oh, absolutely. Very important topic. Yeah, so grain of salt it. Do your own research. Um, yeah, but hopefully this is useful to some of you out there and yeah. worth noting. Yeah, ab- absolutely. No, it's, it's good to good to know where, where our food comes from and what the overall cost of it is. Um, but... That's the end of the Killjoy Corner. Yeah, let's let's eke ourselves out of this corner into the into the open wide vistas of cranberry culture. Cranberry culture. So first, cranberry sauce. Oh. And you know, I'm just realizing that maybe a lot of people listening don't know don't know for sure what this is. Uh, yeah, cr- cranberry sauce is a, uh, a a mixture of cranberries and sugar. You can also put a little bit of spices, like like maybe like a grind, grind of nutmeg, maybe, maybe some ginger in there. Yeah, that's if you home make it. Yeah. Which I love to do. That's actually way better than the stuff most Americans get, which is like this can, 
And it's just a log, a jellied log that comes out. Yeah, it, it's it's got so much pectin. It's so jellied that when you open the can from one end, you can just, just wiggle an entire can-shaped loaf mm-hmm. of this stuff out of it, which I find endlessly disturbing. Yeah. My family used to, before I started making my own, um, so for some reason we'd get it every year and no one would eat it. Like, we'd put it on the table and no one would eat it. But we we kept up the facade. I most, most Thanksgivings that I've been a part of have been so entertained by how artificial it looks that mm-hmm. they don't bother disguising the fact that it comes from a can. They, like, slice it yes. straight from the – and, like, you can still see the ridges from the can. Yes, and you it, can. It's brilliant. It's bizarre. It's something very mid-century. I, I, I'm very charmed by it. Yeah. It's, it's particularly weird. Um, and it's still made of cranberries, so it's still kind of delicious. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, I avoided it so hardcore, I can't honestly recall the taste. But maybe this year when I see that lone plate, because we still, we still put it on the table even though I make homemade cranberry sauce. Maybe I'll give it a, give it a try. I think it's more a texture than a taste, really. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so Americans eat or buy and intend to eat 5,062,500 gallons of jellied cranberry sauce each year during the holidays. Just during the holidays. According to Ocean Spray, the first jellied cranberry sauce was canned in 1912 by lawyer-turned-cranberry bog owner Marcus L. Uran in Massachusetts. Once uh, mechanical harvesting was introduced and a lot of the berries came out of the other side, Damaged, Ocean Spray decided to can them since selling them fresh would be difficult. It would be a difficult prospect. Mm -hmm. And before canning technology came around, cranberries didn't last that long. It wasn't until 1941 that the sauce was available across the U.S. And the reason it's so solid-ish, like Lauren said, has to do with the the pectin. Yeah, but uh, so many of the berries were damaged, and damaged berries just didn't last, and you don't obviously want to take that much of a loss. Uh, Yeah. Let's just can them. Let's just put them in this uh, this can and market it as a holiday thing. Yaron uh-huh. um, went on to invent the cranberry juice cocktail and a cocktail syrup for drink mixers. In 1930, he convinced competitors to come together to form Cranberry Canners, Inc. In 1957, they changed their name to Ocean Spray. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh-huh. That Ocean Spray. That one, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, I... Couldn't bear to do a cranberry episode without mentioning the Cosmo. The Cosmo. Oh, that's 90s staple cocktail. It's so pink. It's in a impossible-to-hold martini glass. Seriously, what's up with martini glasses? A question for a future episode. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, the Cosmo, if you have never encountered one, calls for vodka, Cointreau, lime, and cranberry juice. And we'll have to do a whole cocktail hour episode about it because this is, this one, it, it's one that's relatively new onto the scene, but there's, but, but there's some really great little, little bits of subculture wrapped throughout its creation. And it seems to have originated with a late 60s marketing directive from Ocean Spray to get more adults consuming cranberry juice. Kids were all about it. Adults were like, what am I doing with this? Right. Put booze in it. Sell it to them that way. Clever. I mean, can't fault them for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems to have worked. Uh, so, yeah, that is our uh, uh, brief story of the cranberry. And that brings us to the end of this classic episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed any foods that you've been enjoying. Hopefully. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, we, we do have a couple updates 
yes. about the cranberry. Uh-huh. Because, you know, doing my due diligence, I Google, I just put Goop cranberry into Google search before we came yes. in here. And the band showed up. And the band, it. most of the band, and then I had to specify my Google search. Right. Um, but yeah, um, so okay, in recent years, the global supply of cranberries has outpaced demand. Um, perhaps partially because sales of cranberry juice have slumped, and these are modern, like, cut sugar out of our diets times. Mm -hmm. Um, And that means that prices are dropping. Prices for cranberries are dropping. And some farmers are struggling with making a living um, and even just dealing with the amount of cranberry crop that they have. Um, Prices that Massachusetts growers could fetch at market for their cranberries have dropped 62 percent from 2008 to 2018. Wow. Yeah. Um, And more bad news. Simultaneously, the, uh, the Trump administration's trade war with China is affecting international cranberry markets, which mm-hmm. were a thing that the cranberry growers um, of the United States and Canada, which are the primary ones, and Chile, which kind of brings up the rear, they had been trying to get cranberries out to more international communities, sell more stuff, always fun. Um, and China had started picking up on that until all of these fun new tariffs started coming out. And uh, yeah, that's making importing cranberries in particular more expensive. And so... An uncertain future for the cranberry, but... So you're telling me I should make cranberry sauce. You, sh- you need to do your part, Annie. All right. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll take on this responsibility oh. as much as it pains me. You're a good person, Annie Reese. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, that, that, is, that is what we have by way of updates for you today. Yes, um, and we would love to hear... Hear the food things that you're excited about, that you're eating, that you want to learn more about. And you can email those things to us. You can. Yes. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. 
That's right. 159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.